Miller Lite, the official beer partner of your Philadelphia Phillies, is proud to serve as presenting sponsor of WIP's High Hopes Pod. So whether you're listening to the game, catching up on the latest High Hopes Pod, or at the ballpark, remember, it tastes like Miller time, Phillies fans. Celebrate responsibly. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Um, I, I'm just giddy, man. Uh, it's great. I'm so giddy. Like, what a night. So should we play the interview? Yes. And, and then, then we'll do take back? And then we'll do take back. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah, the interview. <laughs> How about that? I know. Again, we this were, might be an all-time high hopes podcast. Yeah, yeah it really is. Uh, again, because we were so freaking excited to to get to get this guy on, and as anyone who's listened to this pod knows, you know we have talked a lot about Brian Barber, Bill Barber. <laughs> yes. All right. So I was going to do it after, but so this is recorded at a time. If you can't tell by the way we've talked about, it. we talked to Barber a couple days ago. Uh, nothing's changed since then. But at the very end of the interview, I'm so embarrassed. I yeah. was like, I went beat red. Um, and especially, you'll hear, I don't want to spoil it, but you'll hear the irony of the way that I say Bill Barber instead of Brian Barber. And of course, Bill Barber, an all-time flyer and all that. We yeah, say okay. his name a lot. Yeah. It was bad. It, it was, I was incredibly embarrassed. So thank you for reminding me. I was going to do it after, but you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, other than my snafu at the very end of the interview... I thought a really awesome interview, and he was kind enough to give us 30 minutes, really had a lot to say, yeah. uh, and the the smile on Jack's face throughout, like, gave me life. It was a beautiful thing to see, so without further ado, all-time high hopes get Mr. Brian Barber. It is our distinct pleasure and honor, really, uh, to introduce our next guest. This is a dream for high hopes, you know? Most podcasts might be out there trying to get Bryce Harper on or Trey Turner on or whoever. Not this podcast. We have been waiting forever to get this guy on, the director of amateur scouting for the Phillies, a guy who we called for the Phillies to sign on this podcast while he was still in New York. The one, the only, Mr. Brian Barber. Brian, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, it's my pleasure to be on the High Hopes podcast. Yeah, yeah, I would say uh, of our most important campaigns, like we've had a lot of important campaigns. Yes. Bryce Harper, you know, we had a big thing going for him. Uh, standing ovations for Trey Turner. I-, I think the most important thing that we did was convince and, and force the Phillies to hire you a couple of years ago. So it's been it's been a long time coming. Well, I appreciate all that. It, it's coming up on almost four years now, and it's been really my professional honor to, to have this job that I have now and, and work for this organization that's just uh, you know, I think we're, we're doing a lot of things correct now and, and heading in the right direction uh, the past few years. And like I said, it's completely my honor. So. Well, Brian, it's definitely our honor. I mean, to the point where Jack texted me twice last night just to tell me how excited he was to have you on today. Um, so let, let's dive into it. A lot to get into. And eventually I'm just going to let Jack nerd out with you because, again, <laughs> twice he texted me last night said how excited he was to have you on. But but for, for those who don't know Brian Barber as well, like, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into, you know, scouting and, and kind of your, your past a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I played professional baseball. I signed out of high school and played for about 10 years. And as my career itself, the playing career was winding down. I knew I wanted to stay in the game of baseball. It was just something I grew up. I loved. 
Um, I loved everything about it and knew I wanted to do something in the game of baseball to continue doing that. Um, as, a, as a pitcher, you know, at, at going through the minor leagues, especially two or three days a week, you're up in the stands and you're doing, you're charting the game, you're doing radar gun readings, and you're sitting up amongst the scouts that, that are there watching the, those games. And you start talking to them, getting information. And it was like, that's kind of cool what they do. Um, and one thing led to another as my playing career ended and knew, you know, was lucky enough to know a few people in the game that, that helped me along the way of, of getting into scouting. And that was, you know, 22, 23 years ago. And, and just, uh, you know, have, have basically, and, you know, enjoyed every single day of what I do. I, I'm, you, you talk about Jack being a, a, a draft nerd i am as well I, I, I really i love everything about it i love finding out information about the players i love traveling around the country trying to find the best players that that we can bring into the organization and there's just there's not much i don't love about what i do and you mentioned it uh a little at the beginning there but this is your fourth draft fourth draft in the books um what do you think's been kind of the, the biggest change since you got here? What, what do you guys think that uh, you know you've taken a step forward in, and, and like the overall health of, of where you guys are at? Yeah, well, I mean, w- one main thing would be, I guess, who I report to and, and above me, and, and and the biggest change has been, um, you know, with Dave Dave Dombrowski coming over and and, and leading our, our baseball operations department here. Um, it just been it's been tremendous and not that I, I didn't I didn't have a whole long time with the, with the regime before but uh, the past starting with I guess with Andy's draft in, in 2021 uh, Justin's last year in 2022 and now this year uh, it's just it's it's really been you know great to work with Dave Sam everybody that leads the department in Philadelphia that you know us individually there's always little things that are that are you know, you start to employ in your process of trying to figure out who the best players are around the country. There's there's things that we do on the scouting end as scouts, and there's things that you incorporate analytically, data-wise, and, and that's probably some of the new new realm in that, that there's always new information data-wise, tech-wise, analytically that, that are coming to the forefront and things that you would integrate into your process as far as evaluating players. So... I think that's probably, you know, you, you stay on top of that as much as possible and you're ready for the next thing that jumps jumps forward to you there. Brian, I'm happy you mentioned Dave Dombrowski. And, you know, obviously, you know the history of the Philadelphia Phillies. We haven't done a ton of winning in our time and certainly in my lifetime. Um, but the the thing that Jack and I have been so excited about with Dave coming here is is it feels like for the first time really since, you know, 2008, 2009, that run, that it feels like there's a winning culture here now that they've created, that it's been a, a focus of the organization. I know that that's something you believe in a lot as well. And Jack and I, like, we've been preaching for it, calling for it, and it's so exciting to see it. How does that relate to scouting? Like, how does that relate to, to finding players? Like, can you scout winning culture guys? Can you scout winning players? Like, how do you how do you put that into what you do? Because I know that's a focus for you guys. Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, and, and obviously the, the whole organization has done a tremendous job, and, and Dave and, and the major league um, major league part, and Preston Mattingly in the minor league part, um, building the winning culture. You, you don't necessarily find. I guess winning culture type players, but you're looking for the correct makeup to bring into your culture that you have and then develop them that way. So 
yes, there are winning players on the amateur side. There's no doubt about that. And how you quantify that is not easy and it is it is difficult. But th there are winning players out there, both on the high school end and on the college end. That you're just able to see time and time again. You spend the, the, the time and the effort of, of of evaluating these players and you see they do winning things the right way on the field and it allows them to be better players. So, but for, first and foremost, we are trying to identify the right type of makeup that we want to bring into the, into the minor league system. And then Preston and, and it's his job on, on the minor league side, the player development side to develop that winning culture with those kids. You just mentioned Preston uh, hired last year, and uh, you know it seems like I watched the video that the player development put out of him, like you know leading the meeting. He's talking about winning culture. It started, I almost started welling up a little bit. It was like, wow, <laughs> we're finally here. Um, what's what's it been like working with, with Preston so far, and and, and the, the early turns? Yeah, it was amazing. I was there for that for that speech that that Preston gave. I, I made it a point to be there, and and they call it protecting the standard, and and it's it's really special what is going on in, in the system and i think you can see it a lot he talks a lot about his first year guys and the guys that are basically on the clearwater club or have been through there um and some of those guys that started there have, have, have gone on and been promoted to other teams but mainly the core is still there from from the 2022 draft um it's it, preston is the right guy to lead our system and and, and i'm very thankful and and grateful that he is there leading that system so he's done he's done a tremendous job I, I got to be I was lucky enough to be part of the process and the group that that went around and interviewed the people that were that were trying to get that job and it was it was clear and evident from day one that Preston was the guy that that should be leading the charge so that's awesome that's very exciting that, that is very exciting um so this year's draft I mean I know the the, thre the threshers are now known as pressureville you know, which is which is a, a nice thing to have, and that's exciting. Uh, maybe because you drafted like I don't know the fastest players in the league last year, and Justin Crawford and Marion Boyd. So um, you know, it's it's been a really really fun turnaround, and just like watching from afar of that team. I mean, like they have the best winning percentage in, in all of baseball right now, the Clearwater Threshers. So earlier turns seem like it's going pretty well down in Clearwater. Yeah, I, I think they did. Uh, you know, an article, and I think I can't remember if it was Preston's quote or Marty Malloy's quote about they play fast and free down there and and you know they're, they're doing it for the right type of players that are down there so i i think it was wasn't necessarily like our strategy last year to, to go and take the you know two or three of the faster players that are in our organization now if you want to include kate fergus that was there as well along with justin crawford and mari boyd but um you know it's it is an exciting thing that you look up and you, you look at box scores after the games and it's uh, you know besides the the defensive part the stolen bases and and I, I tried to tell people from day one I, I thought these you know we thought these kids could hit as well and, and they've gone in and done that from day one um and they're just going to continue to get better there so yeah it's you know you take athletes with tools that have a good feel for playing the game that are have an ability to utilize their tools on the field and I think those are a lot of things that you're looking for in players that you, you bring in and acquire into the system now, one guy that I think is is going to be in Clearwater soon, or or maybe this time next year, we'll be talking about how he's going off and and carrying them offensively, is Aiden Miller. I I just I was like I couldn't believe he was he's there. He's giddy. He's giddy. I, I like Ryan. I I, I couldn't believe like, he was there. 
I, I honestly feel like I get a three texts a day. Just watch more Aiden Miller film. Just yeah. like, he's like all it's like his favorite person. Well, full disclosure, I was off the week from work uh, right after the draft, which is a problem because I just watched all the <laughs> USA stuff, you know, and I was like, I, I kept coming back to Brian like the kid just hits. Like, I, I know they have the, the handmade bone, and he barely played his senior year, but he's a pedigree kid that's played on Team USA since, what, he was like 10? 12. You know? And, 12. And he's just, he's been in all that stuff. Uh, Aiden Miller, what, what can you tell uh, us about him, and, and how excited were you to be able to get him at 27? Yeah, I'm not sure you're too far off, Jack. I mean, that was part of the things that you, you start to... You start to identify Nate Miller was a 12U, a 15U, an 18U Team USA uh, player and has just always hit from day one. And there's a saying that, you know, we as scouts use that hitters hit and and they always have. And and you've tried to find ways now we're a little bit more advanced than that, just being able to say hitters hit that you quantify how much they hit. And we, we do a good job of of basically charting almost every single game they played. We're able to to dive into – you know, not just Team USA, but some of the tournaments that I'm actually out scouting right now, whether it's East Coast Pro Showcase or Area Codes, all the different tournaments and travel team ball, travel ball teams that they play in over the summer. And we accumulated 150 at bats with Aiden Miller last summer, and he was it was just clear he was one of the top hitters in the country. It was just, I mean, it was clear to us. So you know, it, those the days of just identifying players the summer before are over, and you're actually starting your scouting and evaluating process on those players. So when you get to a point that Aiden Miller only plays in two games because he broke his handmade, it's like, we've done the job. We're ready for him. And and, and if in the event that he falls to us. So I felt super comfortable there. And yeah, you, you never know what happens in the draft and why certain guys go where or, or how, how or why a certain player. I know there were scenarios that, you know, Aiden Miller doesn't come close to our pick. I, you know, I've talked to enough scouting directors, and yeah, he was in our mix 15 picks before. You know, I'm just making up a number there, so I'm not calling out a team. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we were lucky enough that he fell to us, and and when he did, we were ready to to, to bring him into the system. Yeah, and I'm just curious because you know the MLB draft. It, 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 it's hard to explain to a lot of people. But, you know the the, the, the general explain. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, like we'll be doing our our draft preview, and Jack will be going through about guys could be there. He's like, well, this guy should go like second or third, but he's probably going to go twentieth. And I'm just like, wait, what is happening right now? Yeah. You know? it, it, so I'm curious, like, because obviously casual sports fan, like they watch the NFL draft, NBA draft, and it's like, oh, the best guys go first. Not, doesn't always happen in the MLB draft. Yeah. Like, what kind of is, for as much as you can say, I don't, you don't have to reveal all secrets, but like in the early 20s, when it seems like Aiden might be there, like, what's that process like? Are you calling the agent, you know, we'll sign him for this money, you know, something like that, as much as you can say. But I'm curious, like, what goes into the last, like, 20 minutes before the pick? I'll give you a little little breakdown, as best as I can remember, because you got the, the fog of war, I guess, at the time. <laughs> um, it, was, it was about as Seattle was selecting at 22 there that all of a sudden pieces started to fall into what was actually going to happen. We found out, you know, we have enough friends in this, in this industry that we found out exactly who Cleveland, Atlanta, San Diego, and then the Yankees right before us, we knew who their selections were. So it was about, so you got four teams, three minutes in between each pick. Maybe that takes us a couple minutes after Seattle selects. So we have about 10 minutes. Um, before it's our time to select that we know who is going to go in front of us. And it's, it's just clear you've done the work beforehand and 
you look up at the board and it's like, okay, Aiden Miller's our top guy. Let's, let's get after it. And really one of our secret weapons during the draft is Ned Rice, who's one of our assistant GMs. And he does, he does a lot of the calls with agents and advisors of these kids and, and, um, you know, makes a few phone calls and lets, lets their representative know that, that Aiden's going to be our guy. So, I mean, we, we sat there just, you know, all of a sudden you sit there and you wait that San Diego, San Diego actually makes their selection. New York's makes a selection that they, they let us know that they were going to make. And then it's just our time and Philadelphia Phillies select Aiden Miller. How do, do you ever con- concern, like when you pick a guy like Miller there or someone in that situation who could go to college, like how sure are you, you guys are going to be able to sign him when you make that type of pick? Is it, is it always like a, a, it could go one way or the other? Or are you guys like very confident you're going to be able to sign that guy? Yeah, I mean, you, you go in with confidence, but but not everybody. I mean, we've gone obviously every every pick we made in the first round since I've been here has been a high school player, um, and, and some of the times you had basically the deal wrapped up before you selected them, and and other times you hadn't. Um, we we hadn't had this one completely done when we selected Aiden Miller, but we just knew it was the right guy and the and the, and the player we wanted. We knew Aiden wanted to be a professional baseball player. So I think that's part of the work that you do. There are certain kids that are out there that they're just not 100% sure and it would have to be the right situation or the right money to, to, to make them not go to college. And and Aiden was just one of those players that wanted to play. And, and we knew that beforehand. So. Yeah, all the stories it's you fa- read It's about. fascinating, man. It's yeah. fascinating. Everything you read about, you know, like he has a, his own personal workout facility down on Florida. owns it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's a perfect storm. So, beyond giddy that he's a Philly. Um, you also, I mean, I know you don't like being labeled, you know, as the high school guy. But you did draft <laughs> two more after that in, in Devin Saltaban and uh, Tayshaun Walton, who I was very, very excited about. Very uh, excited. I mean, listen, when you see the next Yandy Diaz and all he's got to do <laughs> is just lift the ball. I mean, and he's, dude, he's, he's, he's ripped. Like, he's ripped. Um, what can you tell us about uh, Saltaban and, and Tayshaun Walton? Yeah, I mean, two exciting kids, and and it starts with you know, like we talked, we talked about the makeup and winning culture. Both of those guys are just tremendous people to, to start with, and and want to be the best players that they can be. And uh, you know, just talking about Devin, Devin especially that that was a different process because you don't you don't um, scout kids from Hawaii a ton. There's there's one or two every year. But we did a good job. Demarius Pittman is our area scout, and Shane Bowers is our West Coast cross checker. They went out early and identified him. We, we sent Daryl Connor, who's one of my national cross checkers, went out to see him. And then we were lucky enough that Devin played in the in the Major League Draft League this past summer. Was on the West Virginia team, and we sent myself for two games, David Krausen, who's one of our other national cross checkers, for two games, and then Luke Merton, who's our director of hitting, went up there for a game. And got to see him. So, so you know, we're seeing an 18-year-old versus mainly 21, 22-year-old competition from Hawaii that had never seen 90 miles an hour on the island out there before, and hit. And, and I go back to what I just said before: hitters hit, and he, he didn't. He didn't miss a beat up there in the league. It's not like he went out and hit 400. But as an 18-year-old from Hawaii facing 20, 21, 22-year-olds really knew what he was doing at bat to at bat and, and he has tools and he's athletic. He can run, he can throw, he impacts the ball. We, we see power down the future. It was just one of those things that we, we thought if he was from the LA area or from Florida or from Georgia, it's like, this guy's not making that out of the top couple rounds. 
And and so when it was there at, at pick 98 for us, it was just a no-brainer. So. Must then, be a nice call for those scouts to be like, oh, you're going to Hawaii. You got it, boss. <laughs> yes, sounds great. It's really not as great. A great <laughs> yeah. you're, you're going out there. You're taking the five-hour flight out there from yeah. California. Maybe you're out there a day or two, and, and you're seeing it. No, it's not the worst. <laughs> but it's not exactly laying on the beach either for a week. Right, right. Yeah. So. Now, now, Tayshawn Walton goes from uh, a high school in, in Virginia, I believe. Um, Maryland. Maryland to yeah. to IMG, which right. you, you talk about Saltaban and and Hawaii. It's a little different. Everyone knows about IMG, and everything I've read about him like hits the ball really hard. Doesn't hit it for power yet. Um, fair to think. Hopefully that power comes, and you might have gotten a, another you know really solid player in the third round. Yeah, in, yeah, in the fourth, fourth round, round for Tayshawn, and uh, you you nailed it there. I mean, that's what, and, and you nailed it before. Tayshawn might come in day one as maybe the strongest player in our entire organization. And that might, that might include big leagues. We, we, wow. do, we, we do physical assessment. Wow. That is a, us. yeah, that's a strong kid. No, I mean, he's, yeah, his, his peak power is, is just, it, it's up there with anybody that we have in our entire organization. That's from an 18 year old that still has room to grow. And, and yes, you, you talked about impacting the ball and hitting it hard. And it's, he's gone out to the combine. He's come to our, a workout for us in clear water and it's, you know, exit velocities at 18 of 100, 109 miles an hour. Um, and yeah, he hits the ball on, more on the line right now. So do you try to take that 5, 10% launch angle and make it, you know, eventually that it's in the 15, 20, 25% range. And now he's all of a sudden hitting a bunch of home runs. He, yeah, I, I think that's what you're looking for on a type of player like that. And you're not, you're not just talking a big slugger. He can run, he can throw, he can play defense. He's an athlete as well. So um, I, I, for us, it was an exciting pick there in the fourth round. Talking about these high school kids, Brian, just as a, a macro philosophical thing, like looking at them, I've always wondered, and we saw it with Mickey Moniak. I know you weren't here for that, but when Moniak was drafted first, 17-year-old kid, slight, whatever. But, you know, how do you look at these kids at 17, 18, whatever, and – and project them as a 24, 25, 27-year-old big leader with their body. They're not fully grown. They're not fully developed, all that stuff. Like, how hard is that? And how, like, are there tricks that you guys use to, like, was it frame? I'll look at the frame. I'll grow into that. Like, how do you guys go about it? I've always wondered, because of all the drafts, it seems the hardest to do that. Yeah, it's not a science that's nailed yet. I can tell you that, James. It, it's it's there, there is some conjecture of, of, of what is going to end up happening to a player in five years. And, and we did the the opposite last year with Justin, where it was like we knew number one priority for him once he came in was trying to put on weight, trying to put on strength. You know, he comes in at 165 pounds at 6'3", and, and we knew that was a number one priority. But, yeah, you, you get up on close to the player and, and you're able to do some type of physical testing on there um, and gives you an idea that this person has the ability to you know, put on 20, 25 pounds. So I'm not sure that we're looking at like a Tayshawn to put on another 25. <laughs> might already be 230, but 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 that he's trying to project in the correct way with that body as well. That he has has ability to you know develop your man strength as well because no matter how strong you are at 18, you should be stronger at 22 to 25 as well. So it, it's an inexact science still, uh, but it's definitely a huge part of our process. 
Well, I just got back from my four months old, uh, four month old check in, and he's seventy percentile in height and ninetieth percentile in weight. So if you if you need to start looking for a future here, uh, Walker Fritz is ready to go in about twenty forty something. <laughs> Well, Jack's already got doing doing work by yeah. now. Yeah, Jack's got his training regimen all set. He's yeah. got like year by year. He's like year one to three is this. Year yeah. three to six. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. Ready. no pressure. I don't, I don't kid. think we've gone that far out in the future with, with guys, but 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 uh, the three to five year. <laughs> That's probably is, good. Is yeah. See, we to, yeah, we try to be experts in that. Hopefully, way. you're as lucky as me with my daughter being a lefty. Now, if Walker be a lefty, you're just gonna leg up right there and boom. Yeah. Yeah, listen, we'll, we'll we'll figure it all out. But if he's hitting BP <laughs> off me, he's probably going to be a pretty good hitter because that's that's all I that's all I special in specialized in in college. Um, I want to ask you about some of the pitchers he took. Um, you know, a lot of kind of group them all together because you, you, it seems like you're taking shots on guys that throw really hard, have pro stuff, like maybe one pro pitch pitch right now. Um, like I I heard the uh, George Class and Slider was described as one of the best in the Midwest or whatever. So. Um, like what? What's your kind of philosophy on going for these these guys that are definitely stuff over command, and what gives you the confidence of those guys, you know, eventually finding command? Yeah, I mean, you're putting a lot of faith in the player development there because it's not an easy thing. Uh, you know, we talk about hitters hit. A lot of the pitchers that have, that have ended up being, you know, the best pitchers in the big leagues came up and and threw strikes the whole way. But you get to a point in the draft, especially there this year, with whether it's George or whether it's Jake Eddington or. Cam Brown, Marty Gare, as you go down, and, and you're trying to find things that that allow these other the players that that you bring in to separate themselves from the rest of the players that are on the board. And, and when you're talking George Clausen, he might have he might have had some of the best stuff in the entire draft. Right? You're, you're, the breaking ball, he's been up to 102 and, and averaging 97, 98. Um, you know, you get to a point in the draft where that sixth to tenth round range, you're, you're really looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 percent of the guys ever play a day in the big leagues at, at that point in the draft. Um, so, so what allows these players to separate themselves gives them a chance to get in the big leagues. And not only that, but once they get to the big leagues, does do they have something that allows them to? have some impact in the big leagues. You're not just trying to look for a guy that comes up and, you know, for a week or, or, or even, even if it's a couple months and create zero war, you're trying to get somebody that, that actually impacts the major league team and helps them win games. And, and that, you know, stuff is one of the things you guys watch big league games all the time. Mm -hmm. Big leagues throw hellacious stuff nowadays and, and trying to even the playing field. That was one of the things when I first came over here, that was one of my first priorities is to bring in and, and trying to bring the stuff throughout the minor league system that it was that it, that it fit in with, with the rest of the where baseball was going. And, and I think we're continuing to do that. Obviously, we're in a draft now that it's only 20 rounds, not 40 or 50. So you have a limited amount of time to do that. Um, but, yeah, George, Jay, Cam Brown, Marty Gary going down the list, it's like. They have things that allow them to separate themselves from the other players that, that you might see on a minor league team. Yeah, and I lied. It was Jake Eddington as the best slider in the Midwest. And yeah. uh, I've already comped Marty Gare to uh, Lucas Gialito. So, <laughs> so, yep. so, so we, sure might be, we might be all right with that. I we might be all right. That. Yes, I yeah. confirm that, yes. Uh, last super nerdy draft one for you, um, and I'm, I'm super intrigued by the kid, is the Avery Owuso Asaido. 
Saidu, um, all the I guess the model dar- he's like a model darling hits the ball hard. He's really young. Um, I mean, what do you think? I mean, a possible chance at, at another kind of steal late in the, the draft? Yeah, I mean, you hope so. That's what we were looking at, and we had the opportunity to get to know Avery really well, and we got to bring him into Philadelphia and and not just do some of the on the field stuff, but some of the off the field assessment as well with him, and that, whether that's makeup or whether that's physical assessment testing. And yeah, you, you take a 20 year old who basically didn't start playing baseball full time until he was in the ninth grade of high school. So development wise, he's way beyond or way behind where everybody else is on a baseball field. But you take a 20 year old college guy who more than held his own in the college game and the physical tools are out of this world, the physical assessment. One of the things I don't think we even knew when we brought him into Philadelphia is how good a runner he was. And, and talking, he's going to go head to head with with Tayshon as far as strength, athleticism, and some of the physical assessment testing that we did. So you take those combination of things of age, of, of performance at the college game, knowing he's behind behind the eight ball in his development process, and then the physical assessment testing and makeup testing that we, that we did with him. It was just a no brainer at that point to you know sort of roll the dice, but but roll it with the with, for the right reasons. Last one for me, and again, Brian, can't tell you how much, like, how appreciative we are for you taking this time with us. Again, like, you can see Jack's face. Like, he's been smiling here the entire time. And I know for our audience, like, we have mentioned the name Bill Barber on our podcast a thousand times. Brian Barber, excuse me, I was thinking of We're not 70s flyers over here. Yes, I got, Brian Barber. Yes, Brian Barber, excuse me, on the podcast. As I, honestly, it's very high hopes fashion there. Um, But um, this is something I think you're the perfect person to ask, because it's something I've been wondering about a lot lately with the influx it feels like an influx we've always had them but an influx of and justin crawford you know based on him talking about him an influx of former players kids it feels like there's a real like boon of it you know boba shat black guerrero I mean, matt holiday's got the the top prospect in baseball's kid and the top pick in the next draft all that stuff is there something to that like obviously genetics is part of it but do you think there's something to these kids growing up around the sport or being more comfortable around the sport or whatever? Like, is it, is there something more? I've always, I've long been wondering, is there something more to this than just the genetics of it? Yeah. I think with, with a lot of the players like that, that you're talking about is, is obviously you've taken the the higher, um, higher talented players. And then you add in the background that they have being around the game knowing how the game is played and, and then watching the game from, from an early age. And, and you're taking the players that are highly talented and then, and then adding in the baseball skill. And those are just the best players that are out there. And th- those kids that have had that, that, you know, not every major league player's kid is as talented as those players that, that, you, that, you, that you mentioned. But when you take the talent, add it in with the baseball skill and the knowledge of the game, gives them a leg up on everybody else. In the world that we're in, the, the, the different showcases that, that we go to on the amateur side, you're looking at a lot of talented kids, whether that's position players, pitchers that throw hard, arm talent, and, and that's that's basically where their game ends is the talent that they have. They don't know how to play the game. They don't know how to utilize their talent. And these kids that you're talking about and mentioned, they, they can combine all of it. So when you get that, that was sort of the thing with Justin. We, we didn't like Justin just because he was Carl's, Carl's son. We liked him because of the talent that he brought on the field, who he was as a person. And then he had been around the game his entire life watching major league games and studied it. And, and that's what a lot of those kids that you just mentioned, they're, they're, 
they're students of the game as well as being, you know, uber talented. Last one for me. Um, You know, it's already been a a, a great four years. I I guess I was just curious where you see the department, you know, even like five years from now, like goals you you have or um, just kind of the future of you you and Preston and and how this whole thing is kind of trending. I mean, the the thing with our our world is it just never stops. The minute you you think you – you know, you hit on you hit on a player. It's basically start for next year and find the next one and continue to add that. I think we've done some of some good things here. We're, we're not nearly uh, you know where we want to be as an organization on the minor league side. We need to keep working. I told you, you know, we're basically a little bit behind. I I'd be putting addition on on the fly right here, but we've brought in somewhere in the neighborhood of. 65 players draft wise over four years. So 2020 and, and then in 2020, it was only five rounds. So, um, it, you know, it, you're not turning around an entire organization overnight. It takes time. It, it takes multiple years to do that. And I think we're heading in the right direction, trying to bring in guys that are not, not just have the talent on the field, but, but have the baseball skill to utilize those, those talents. Uh, put it into performance, bring in the right type of kids with the makeup that develop a winning culture that are athletes that, you know, you, you have your, your group of things that you as a scout want to try to find. You need player development to help mold those players into being coming in the best players that they can be and, and, and hopefully getting the right situation for those players to get up to the big leagues and impact the game there and create wins in a world series. I, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, Dave is able to do some of the things that, that change the major league system overnight by making a trade or a free agent. But on the minor league side, it just takes time. And I think we're heading in the right direction with, with some of the players that we brought in and Preston and his his group developing them. Well, we do, too, Brian. I mean, honestly, you know, again, uh, the history of the Philadelphia Phillies drafting and developing. I mean, even John Middleton said it like it's been. It's been tough, man, and uh, to see to see this this you know organization where they're at right now with the the winning culture and you and Preston and Dave and the whole thing like at, like at least for us it, it's all we've wanted you know this this type of setup so we're thrilled we're thrilled you took the time for us and uh, just keep doing what you're doing man you're making a lot of people really happy right now. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, our job never stops here. We, you know, as soon as the draft was over. As, as you guys know, I'm out in San Diego at a tournament right now trying to find kids for next year. So it's all we can do is keep working and trying to bring in the best players that we can that we can bring in. I'm just taking more high just taking more high school kids. <laughs> yep, that, there he is. <laughs> Brian Farber. <laughs> uh, what a pleasure. Thanks again, Brian. Appreciate the time, guys. Really do. Yep. All right. So, you know, 